Well, do keep that passage open in front of you, or you can pay attention to it on the big screen as it will come up as we look through it. We are continuing our series through the book of Daniel. Let me recommend reading it at home. Uh, it's a good thing to do in your own Bible, uh, both before and after we look at it together as a, a community of faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for your word and we pray that as we look again at this passage, you would open our eyes to see how great you are and how frail and feeble human kingdoms are. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Roman Empire, whose legions held sway over the entire Mediterranean, the Sennacid Empire, which dominated the ancient Near East. The British Empire, upon which the sun never sets. Great empires that in their day covered vast territories, ruled over many people, only to fall. Or be reduced to being a junior ally of the United States. Now, the only people who know of these great empires are, to some extent, the scholars of history. For that is what they all are. They are now history. At the time of their greatness, it seemed that they were all powerful and they would last forever. They felt like the earth really solid. And yet they weren't. Their technology and culture were superior to everyone else's. So it felt as if no one could ever eclipse them. And yet they did. Their military might went largely unchallenged, leading to a Pax whatever, insert name of empire, inside the borders of their empire. And yet they all fell. Empires come and empires go, and that is one of the lessons of history. And if you're a leader of an empire, if you actually run one, well, that kind of knowledge is enough to keep you up at night, which is exactly the way it was for King Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of the Babylonian Empire. And we saw that back in chapter 2, verse 1 last week, when we saw that he had this dream and his mind was troubled and he could not sleep. And he couldn't sleep because of a dream that seemed filled with ominous meaning. It was a dream that kindled fear in his heart. And we're told later that the dream was a, of a large statue of differing metals. And the king didn't know precisely what it meant, but he feared the worst. And in verse 36, when he gets the explanation of the dream, we see that his fears are, are confirmed. Have a look at verse 36. This was the dream, and now we will interpret to the king, your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. 
After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, as iron breaks and smashes everything. And it continues. The dream of the statue is explained, and it represents a line of kingdoms, or really of empires. And each kingdom or empire will take its turn as the superpower of the ancient Near East. If you like, they would all get their time in the sun. Just as Spain used to dominate Europe, followed by France, followed by Britain, followed, at least briefly, by Germany, uh, these empires will in turn dominate the ancient Near East. So their dream is all about a line of empires that will rule Daniel's world, the world in which Daniel lives. But the fact that it is a line of kingdoms or a line of empires tells us something really important. And that is that empires don't last. Great civilizations don't last. At some point, they all come to an end, either through violence and conquest or by some kind of slow devolution into something else. The superpowers of today will not necessarily be the superpowers of tomorrow. Human rule, by its very nature, is frail and vulnerable, even though it looks assured and unassailable. Humans don't rule forever. But go back again to the Verse 37, friends. So have a look at verse 37. Who is it that decides things? Well, it's God, isn't it? He decides which empire is going to be on top at any point in time. God decides the times of the empires or the kingdoms. And whether they come and dominate or whether they go and fail. And in this dream, God is telling Nebuchadnezzar that the great empire that they have built, that seems to have surpassed everything that's come before it, that seems amazing, God has decided it will not last. It will fall as will the one after it. Friends, here in Australia, we live in the midst of our wealthy and powerful secular society. And it seems so peaceful and so strong. And yet, it may not always be so. Now, I don't have any access to any intelligence services and know of anyone about to invade us or anything like that, but the lesson of history and of the scriptures here is that our civilization will not last forever. It will pass away. Australia, too, is a human kingdom that will not last. 
And that's important for us as Christians who live within this sometimes hostile, secular Australia. We can take heart just like Daniel took heart in his day. For just like we saw Daniel outlasting the entire Babylonian Empire in chapter 1 of Daniel, so we might outlast Australia as we know it. We simply do not know what God has planned. And this, of course, is another reason not to assimilate or conform to Australian culture when it is in conflict with God's word. There are many times when it's not. We should enjoy those times and feel free to be part of things. But at the point at which we're called to go against God's word, well, then we say no. Because why would we compromise our beliefs to conform to a culture that will not last? That, will, that may not even be here in 10 years' time. We just don't know. What we do know is that something else will be there. Something else is guaranteed to be here, not just tomorrow or in 10 years' time, but forever. And that was the other important part of the dream and of the interpretation. Look again at verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. So Daniel here speaks of a kingdom that's going to last forever. And the clue that it's from a rock not cut from human hands, is that it is God's doing. This is God's kingdom. He will establish his kingdom and it will never fall. It will never fail. And it will keep going on and on and on forever. If you like, this is a kingdom that is going to outlast history itself. When the world ends, it will still be there. Strong as ever. Indeed, the impression is that it will continue to grow stronger. Back in verse 35, it's talking about it growing and growing until it's a huge mountain. God's kingdom will last. And it is the only kingdom that will last. Friends, let me say that this rather than any other kingdom, is the kingdom to want to be a citizen of. It is a kingdom that will continue forever. And so therefore, a life lived in the service of this kingdom is not a wasted life at all. But rather, a life that is meaningful and significant and has eternal purpose. This is the kingdom that if you want to be part of something that is meaningful, is the kingdom to live for, precisely because it will last, because it's God's kingdom. 
And we might ask ourselves, oh, this sounds fantastic. When's it all going to happen? Well, we're actually told in the verse, as verse 44 suggests, it kicked off during the time of the last kingdom mentioned here, which is the Roman Empire. I wonder what kingdom started during the Roman Empire that's still going today and is stronger than ever. That's right, it's the Jesus kingdom. It's the Jesus kingdom, of course. He was God's promised king who started God's new kingdom. And people enter that kingdom when they receive Jesus as their king. And throughout human history, millions and millions and now billions of people have put their trust in Jesus and taken Jesus as their king, that is, the one who rules them. And they have become part of his kingdom. And despite what you hear in the media, that kingdom is still growing and reaching new places all over the world. Every year, there are more and more people trusting in Jesus and following Jesus as their king. Now, we should stress that the full benefits of this kingdom has not yet happened. The kingdom is not yet consummated, is a technical term. That is, it's not yet fully here. It's here, but it's still partly not here. In the meantime, it continues to grow until the full number of subjects join the kingdom. And then the kingdom will become apparent to all as Christ will come in person and rule in person. The end of history. And at that point, he will end the last of the human kingdoms that happened to be around at the time. This is the kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, God's kingdom, that is going to last forever. And so the obvious question to ask ourselves today is, have I joined God's kingdom? Is my citizenship in heaven with Jesus? Am I a subject of King Jesus? Now, you may answer that question and say, absolutely. Yes, I am. Thank you, God. And friends, let me say, that's a great response. And yes, it is good to thank the God who has made you part of his kingdom. <laughs> There's no greater blessing than to be part of God's kingdom. The challenge for you from this is to not be swayed by the seemingly powerful and seemingly successful kingdoms of this world. When someone looks at you and tells you that you're not on the right side of history or you're not Australian enough or whatever, you can just smile and say, that's okay. I'm with Jesus. And so therefore, I'm always on the right side of history as a citizen of heaven. And friends, if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying to yourself, oh, I'm not actually sure. 
or you actually know that you're not a subject yet of the king, then let me urge you to consider Christ the king. If you need to have questions answered before you can bow the knee and say, yes, I'll take Jesus as my king and I'll trust him, then ask the questions. Don't leave it off to one side. In fact, let me encourage you to come up to me afterwards and ask the questions. Or if you're listening online, then maybe shoot me an email through the Connect card on the website. But let me urge you to consider Christ the King. He is God's King for his kingdom and his kingdom will last forever. And that makes it better than any kingdom anywhere in all of human history. It is the only kingdom where you can serve the kingdom and what you do lasts for eternity and therefore has meaning. Every other kingdom is a kingdom where you serve and, well, it will all pass away in time. And someone might poke around the ruins a thousand years later. Let me encourage you and say that living for Jesus' kingdom is better than living for anything else. Simply because what you're doing lasts. So let me encourage you to consider Christ Ask the questions, find the answers, and then join the kingdom. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you that in your great mercy, that you have shown through this dream of Daniel's, that your kingdom is the only kingdom that lasts forever. Help us as we go about our daily lives this week and always, to remember this fact and not to be dazzled by the bright lights of the world and its kingdoms, but rather to rejoice in your kingdom that will never pass away. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that as we do that, trusting your Son, the King, that you would cause us to live faithful and obedient lives to our great King. Amen.